Today on Season 3, Episode 84 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, it was a hard-fought battle, but it's over, Packers fans. Once again, the season ends with an agonizing defeat in the NFC Championship game. Bryce, Ken, and I step into the UPP studios to talk about what happened, the aftermath, and how we're feeling. We address listener questions, play some fill-in-the-blank, and Ken addresses the Rodgers speculation. The season may be over, but there's much more to come from the UPP. Tune in and stay with us. And now it's time for Endgame on Tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Endgame on Tap. It pains me to, I thought we had another regular season or an in-season episode, but unfortunately the Packers fall 31-26 to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, ending their season, and the Buccaneers advance. Tom Brady advances, what, to seventh Super Bowl? Pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty somber, but uh, I am not doing it solo. I'm not peacocking it. I'm with Big Bad Ken Ingles and also Neebles, the three amigos, three musketeers, what have you, talking about the Packers, Buccaneers, NFC Championship game at Lambeau. Um, how are you guys doing? Go for it. <laughs> I'm I'm doing okay. Um, I, I was worried about you a little bit there, Bryce, you know, texting a little bit after the loss. <laughs> I know you were we're all in our kind of various stages of uh, grief, if you will. That's true. That's true. Based off of our kind of, you know, postmortem text messaging and stuff, I think I'm the, the furthest along that uh, those stages. Um, I don't know if I'll say complete acceptance, but I wasn't around last week during the shows kind of leading up to this matchup. But had I been, you would have heard me say I didn't have a real good feeling about this game and this matchup. No way. Yeah, and I said it in earlier episodes that the team I I feared, the team I feared was the Buccaneers, and because they could dis, and why? Because they are good at disrupting what Aaron Rodgers wants to do, and that's like you know, unfortunately, what we saw. But that's not why they lost, though. That's not why they lost. Well, yeah, we can get into it. Let's do it. I think the drops. I, we're just. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dump stats. I. I don't feel like dumping stats. I don't feel like talking about. It. I. I want to talk about this game. I want to go through the motions of this game. We've got fan questions. We've got to fill in the blank to wrap up. But I think the drops were probably the the main reason. Maybe drop calls, but drop passes uh, specifically. I mean, there's 13 points on the board, give or take. That I think with Devonte Adams. Lazard had one close Lizard, to the end zone or uh, in the end zone, was it? Lazard EQ with the two-point conversion. It doesn't get any better than that. I mm-hmm. mean, and then that changed the game plan of having to go. F- I mean, I don't know. So for me, I struggle. The thing that I struggle with the most uh, are two things. And it killed me last night. I didn't really get good sleep. And for me, 
just because we've experienced the 2014 collapse, the 2011, 2007, 4th and 26, Michael Vick, Super Bowl 32, uh, fail Mary, what, go on, uh, the list is endless. 2019, 2016. 2020. I mean, this this for me was so painful because I felt that the Packers were Super Bowl champions. And it, I just, I felt it. Uh, leading up to this game, yeah, I was concerned about the Tom Brady effect. I was concerned about this defense, but the Packers were clicking. So for me, the two things that I guess I'm I'm struggling with that I had concerns were one, were the were the Packers going to beat themselves? I didn't think any team was better than the Green Bay Packers this season except the Green Bay Packers. And I think you got to see the fact that the Packers lost to themselves. Overthinking in, in cer- certain situations sometimes, getting off to a slow start. I mean, it was immediate. Tampa Bay scores 7 nothing, and you're like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a shootout. And then the Packers didn't score on their opening drive, which they've only done a couple times this year. So right off the bat, you're thinking, okay, this is weird. What's going to happen? And then two, uh, the David Bakhtiari injury rearing its ugly head. I wanted to believe that Billy Turner, uh, that's the reason why he was an X factor. But you saw what happens when your bookends can't do anything. I mean, Vita Vea really sucked up the middle of the the line, which opened it up for JPP and, and Barrett. But uh, those are the two things that I struggle with the most. Like, ah, our offensive line was so good. And if Bakhtiari doesn't go down, shoulda, coulda, woulda, what would have happened? Maybe Rodgers uh, would have performed better. Maybe when he, he would have thrown that interception. So for me, it just I, I'm so bummed because the Packers beat themselves. Tom Brady didn't come in here and beat the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers lost to themselves. So that's the thing that I'm kind of struggling with. I could see that. I mean, I I think it goes a little bit beyond, for me, the Packers beating themselves. I mean, I think they just they kind of got beat in all three phases of the game. And when we knew special teams coming into this was, was a problem, time and time again, it, it seemed like they gave Tampa Bay too good of starting position. The defense... Again, they had some questionable calls. You know, the call at the, you know, is it, was it Petten's fault? Was it King's fault for that touchdown at the end of the half? That should have never happened. And then offense, I mean, they also had their chances. You, you can't score no points off of the off of two interceptions. You can't score six points off of, you know, however many trips into the red zone. I think it was just a perfect storm of anything that could go wrong would go wrong for the Packers. I mean, get, you got to give Tampa Bay a little bit of credit. But, uh, you know, I said they I agree Packers did beat themselves, but it was also that perfect storm that that, you know, Tampa Bay did what it needed to. And and they were the better team yesterday. Right. They were not. They were well, not. They were well, not I the think better was, team. I think, we a tale of, them. I think it was a tale of two halves where right where the first half that there wasn't a lot to to be pleased with from what the, the way the Packers are playing. And Brady was excellent in the first half. I think at one right. point they were. They were like six for six or seven for mm-hmm. seven on their third, third downs down. and with like 150 yards and a touchdown. It was insane. And that's what Tom Brady, I call him Captain Checkdown, is great at. And what this defense is not great at, right? It's you know, the, the Petten defense is we're not going to give up the big play. We're going to give you the things underneath and allow those type of plays to happen. And that's what Tom Brady excels at is taking the checkdown, taking the underneath, taking the open guy and doesn't need to be the big play, but then he'll get you 
in the big play if you're not in the proper uh, alignment or if you got a, a mismatch. He's seen it all, right? That was the first half. Then the second half, it was by the time the Packers were done shooting themselves in the foot in the first half and they started to get things going a little bit in the third quarter and Brady started throwing interception after interception after interception, three in a row. You know, it was too little too late. And the fact that Green Bay did next to nothing on those turnovers was what I think was the, the biggest uh, X factor, I guess, for the loss is that, you know, you, you kind of saw that there was a momentum change, but three and out, three and out. And this identity of this team that we saw, this Packers team, did not look like a Lafleur coached team. Right. 53 or 55 dropbacks versus 16 runs getting into the red zone and it's throw, 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 field goal, throw, throw, throw. Just it, it just seemed like we were reverting back to what was comfortable. And you know, we saw that a little bit out of Rodgers last year, 2019, where the Lafleur system and like the the scripted plays worked really well. And then when Rodgers kind of got the opportunity to kind of run the offense, it kind of went back to that McCarthy way. There was a big buy-in this year. I think it was obvious all season long. But when things got uncomfortable and they got down by three scores, we we saw kind of, you know, what was comfortable again. And it turned into the run game doesn't exist. But they clawed their they, they clawed their way back in. And that's what's so weird is that you get back-to-back, I mean, you get three interceptions, but the, the Jair picks, I mean, the Packers' offense was clicking when that happened. So for me, the minute Jair gets that one interception, it's like, all right, okay, and then nothing. And then he gets the second one. You know, I'm not discounting Amos's interception, but the Jair picks and not getting any points from those, that's the thing that's just so mind-boggling because the offense was clicking before that. The game was over for me. Right when Scotty Miller scored that touchdown at the end of the first half. Yep, very great. rarely. Like, I was on the edge of my seat for the first quarter and most of the second quarter. The minute that happened, I just sunk back in my seat. And then I got, you know, I was still watching the game. And then in the fourth quarter, your Packers are down by five with the full quarter. Three timeouts, down by five. So that's the thing that I struggle with is that the Packers were within range and I just the Packers beat themselves. I I'm not upset about, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. I'm not upset about uh, going for the field goal, really. I was like, "Oh, okay, he's going to go for a field goal and the Packers defense was stopping Tom Brady." And outside of a pass interference which they allowed the Buccaneers to do the same thing like if you're going to let them play for three quarters, three and a half quarters, I would expect the same thing, vice versa. That's the thing that I struggle with. Like it's it was a pass interference, but the Buccaneers were doing that to Adams and to Lazard, and nothing was getting called. So that's the thing that really I struggle with. But the minute the minute Scotty Miller scored that touchdown, for me it was like uh, this is over. But then the Packers clawed themselves in and down by five with a quarter left. So they they got back into it and still couldn't. I don't know. A lot of what ifs. And I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that I'm just like Rogers had mentioned, like the the totality of it, the the finality of it. Like that's what I'm struggling with because I just like Coach LaFleur and Rogers and, and, and the rest of the, the Packers team. I thought that they were gonna go to the Super Bowl. I thought that they were the best team 
in the NFL. And uh, that's what I struggle with. I don't think the Buccaneers and Tom Brady are better than the Packers. But they're going to the Super Bowl, and uh, the Packers aren't. So I that's another thing that I'm, I'm just wrestling with. At Lambeau, I just... Uh, this was your shot. This mm-hmm. was it. And I think like that's just what I'm I'm grappling with. I can't imagine uh, what the people that are getting paid to do this, what they're grappling with right now. Right, right. This was it, – it's, it's a tough break. It's a tough season. And, you know, everyone kind of going into this year, the narrative was probably a worse record, but probably going to be a better team. And a lot of that was based off of – Rodgers being in year two and being comfortable. And we saw that. And I, I was right there with you, Bryce. You know, I thought that this team was a Super Bowl team and had every opportunity to get there. But we were texting right after the Bucks were able to take care of the Saints in mm-hmm. you know, that Drew Brees game. And I remember saying right away, I'm like, I don't feel good about it. And by the time we kind of got clo- closer to game day, I was actually out of town this weekend and I didn't consume a lot of Packers media, a lot of news. I was just kind of doing my own thing with the family and, you know, got text. Hey, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I'll be pleasantly surprised if they make it and I'll be through the roof ecstatic. But I think that's why today I'm a little I'm I'm like, OK, I'm pretty level headed about it, maybe because I kind of. I, I Talk yourself I, I, into it, maybe. Yeah, I or I was, I wasn't expecting this blowout win for the Packers. I just didn't think that that was in the Same. cards, right? And I, I thought it was going to be I, neck and neck. Tom Brady, whatever it is, QB wins are definitely not a stat. And that guy again, he was by far not the best quarterback on the field yesterday, uh. right? But he gets to go to the Super Bowl because his team overall. We're able to beat the team that Rod, you know Rogers is on, right? And Did it, it's it's tough. It sucks. I had a feeling because again, you know what he is able to do on offense and what they're what the Buccaneers defense is able to do to make Rogers uncomfortable. And we saw it again. I think the first time we played him, there was twenty one pressures that Rogers faced most all season, and they matched that total again in the uh, championship game. Just unbelievable, uncomfortable in the pocket, disrupting what they want to do on offense. Yeah, Vita Veo was a huge boost to that D line. He wasn't there in week six, and I think like he's the unsung hero because you know Shaq Barrett and JPP are getting um, all the credit for teeing off on Rodgers, but man, Vita Veo keying in on him during the game, and I just kept thinking like, man, I mean, he's eating up the center of that line, and. You're starting to wonder, like, oh, no wonder Wagner and, and and Turner were struggling because of that effect. Defense is good. They're fast. They're a fun defense. And I would be okay. Again, I would be okay if there weren't all these multiple questions. Like, if Brady went out there and threw 350 touchdowns or 350, 350 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, much like in the 2019 NFC Championship game where, where Mostert, ran wild I resigned to the fact I was like all right the Niners are a better team this year it's just the number one scoring offense and then you have lulls again it's just like ah like okay you can see it happening and you're just praying to God that it's not going to happen and sure enough little things that I didn't want to see ended up popping up but there's a fan question I wanted we've, we've got a few of them but I wanted to mention this so 
Has there been an NFC championship game loss where there's not one thing to point to? At Joe at work 87 tweets out, he mentions in 14 you have the defense and the special teams collapse, 2016 defense, 2019 run defense, and he says 2020 the entire team. But I mean, for me right off the bat, of course you're gonna have you're gonna have something to point to when it's a loss. But for me, it's the drops. I mentioned it right in the beginning of the episode. Devonta Adams scores that touchdown. I know I'm I'm picking nits, but Devonta Adams being the top wide receiver in the NFL this year, he makes those catches. Lazard, EQ, Aaron Jones with with the drops, the fumbles, like just things that were just very out of character happened in the NFC Championship game. And Ken, you had kind of mentioned the Packers are a great team, but. Is that other shoe going to fall off? Are there things that are going to pop up that, or are they going to steamroll? And uh, I'm just, I'm more shocked at the fact that this is the output that that we saw. So I'm curious what your response to that question is. Yeah, like if if I were to answer, you know, what's the thing that we point to? It might not be as obvious as the other ones, but this one for me goes to the offense. Kind of throughout the entire game, there isn't going to be like, not like the 2014 season, right? Where it's like you had that, you know, those last few minutes at the end of the game where like everything imploded. This was like throughout the game. But the biggest for me was points off turnovers. Tampa scored 14 right. off their turn- two that they got. Green Bay got six on their three. And then on two of those interceptions, two of them were three and outs with four incompletions and two sacks. Just oh. terrible. And the Bucks, they got the reverse double up, right? The Packers, they deferred. So they're like, and they had an opportunity. They were driving down the field to get that score at the end of the first half, and they were going to get the ball back. Well, it was a weird sequence. It turned into a reverse double up because Rogers throws that pick. Five plays later, the Bucks score their TD. And then halftime, and three plays later, Jones fumbles. And the next play, the Bucks get their touch another touchdown. So that's 14 points in nine plays in a minute and a half that the Bucks were able to turn it around. And that's just pure, you know, sloppiness on the offense and turning the ball over. And then when you got into the, you know, when you when you got into the goal to go situations, zero runs in only 13 points. That it's that's not what this offense has historically right. been able the to gold do. Gold zone, baby. The gold zone. The gold like. zone. Yeah, it, it was definitely not the gold zone. It was like the it was like the gray zone and the fool's gold. You know, and it, it, at the end of the day, if if you don't run the ball and you can't run the ball, you're not gonna be able to do a lot on offense. And Green Bay got one dimensional for several reasons. You know, at one point they were down by so much, but. Then when they got closer and it was not in these dire need to pass situations, it's like those those run sheets just kind of fell out of the Lafleur playbook or the Rogers playbook because, as we found out in the post game press conferences, Rogers was calling plays. Yeah, he called that third down play and that last offensive drive, and he made a comment. Well, had he known that they were not going to go for it on fourth down, he would have called something else on third down. And so you wonder how much of that is Rodgers putting this team on his back and feeling he has to do it all himself. And that's why we saw 55 dropbacks versus 16 runs. But, you know, the answer kind of Joe's question 
to me, this game was on the offense. Yeah, there were some defensive snafus, but Tampa scored 31, but 14 are attributable right away to the offense turning the ball over at times when they could not turn the ball over. Nebels, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you got into my notes or something because that's pretty much exactly what I had outlined for my X Factor, if you will, as well. I mean, when you look at it, the, the total abandonment of the running game was a huge issue. I mean, we, we knew from the get-go that we needed, we needed to get the running game to go into for anything to happen. Um, I think I was looking through, and on, on one occasion, on a on an and-goal situation, they had one rush for the entire game, and that was to Williams, and I think he gained two yards. And then after that, and actually that was the one that they uh, that uh, they, they scored, I believe, was the pass to Tunyon. Um, but after that, they completely abandoned it. They kind of panic when Jones go, goes out. I mean, they kind of say, all right, Jones is out. It, it seems like they had a hesitancy to try to continue to do things with Williams and Dylan. I mean, Dylan, for crying out loud, he had three carries for 17 yards. I mean, he was literally carrying uh, a Tampa Bay defender on his back mm-hmm. while you know pushing two more. and, and six-yard you know, gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six-yard gain. You can't tell me that you have the ball inside the 10-yard line and, and you don't want to give him at least one shot. So I mean, weird. That, I think that's that's the thing that kind of drives me crazy. And and like you were, what you were saying, Ken, it seems like they went away from their their number one offensive game plan. And Rodgers and Lafleur, I don't remember who mentioned it, but someone said it looks like they just started playing hero ball. You know, they've gone away right. from everything they knew, started playing hero ball, trying to do it themselves. And uh, yeah, they were struggling on their on, you know with the run. Tampa Bay is a tough team to run against, but I, I just think they were too quick to abandon it. And even after it wasn't working, like you mentioned, the 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 two series after the turnovers, the, the you know the, the the three incompletions, punt, three incompletions, punt, and then the the two in goal situations, three incompletions, field goal, three incompletions, field goal. I mean, we're talking you know thirteen points right. out of all the red zone trips versus you know possible twenty one. So I just think they got they they completely. I don't know if it's a panic thing or like so they were trying to do too much, playing hero ball, and they got out of doing everything that. Uh, that made them great throughout the season. I mean, I think the other thing that that we don't talk about or haven't really mentioned yet, you mentioned drops, Bryce, but that that Redmond, the his Ugh, pick. That's in the his other hands, thing I didn't mention. Yep. He yeah. he doesn't drop that. That Miller touchdown doesn't happen. It's a completely different ball game. Right. It's it's so I don't know. That's well, that's the that's the vibe of of the first half. We've got we've got a few more questions in, in the second half. I've got to fill in the blank for you too as well but we're going to wrap up the first half of Endgame on tap we'll be right back after this quick commercial break go pack go this episode is brought to you by sonic transformation check us out at www.sonictransformation.com sonic transformation your sound refined And we are back with the second half of Endgame on tap. Uh, you two emotionally carried me through this first half. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more stable in the second half. Still grieving, but we've got a few more fan questions. And then we got some fill-in-the-blank action before uh, we wrap up our, our uh, last post-game episode of the 2020-21 season. And then we turn to the Yuppies and uh, some, some off-season salary cap stuff. But... Uh, I digress. Talking about one of the fan questions at Broadnator with the 17th game and shrinking cap, it'll be harder than ever to compete next season. So yesterday felt Sunday felt like the last great chance. 
When do you honestly think Green Bay will make it back to another Super Bowl? Neebles. When do I think the Packers will make it back to another Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a that's a tough one. I mean... It's a heavy one. Yeah, it's... I mean, obviously, the the homer in me says, hey, you know, this this team could look a lot different next season, but they're still, you know, even with all the uncertainty, you know, they still have a very solid core of players, and it wouldn't surprise me if they if they made a, a, a deep run next year. Obviously, all the, the Rodgers baloney talk, you know, withstanding... But outside of that, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, we have a pretty much unknown commodity in Jordan Love, going to be our our quarterback before too long. I mean, we have some other big pieces that'll be coming up as free agents in the in the next couple of years, and who knows if they want to stick around on a Rogerless team. I'm going to just be perfectly honest with you and say I have no idea when they could reach the next Super Bowl again. The homer in me says, hey. This, this team may be intact enough, and there's so much uncertainty around the entire league that it, it could happen next year. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we could be looking at the next friggin' 70s and 80s for all I know. I honestly couldn't tell you. I know that's kind of a crap answer, but I, you no. know, I have no crystal wall, and there's just way too much uncertainty right now to, to make any sort of educated guess on that. Well, I, I, picked, I picked this question because... One, I mean, it's a tough question. There's no way you can predict it. For me, I'm I'm with you, Nebos. I, I don't know. I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl this year, so what do I know? But I will say that the way Coach Lafleur, what he's done in these two years, how he responded in his uh, post-game press conferences, this team is in good hands. Gutekunst, Lafleur. This wasn't the run the table 2016 strike while the iron was hot type of season. Yes, the the schedule was a little bit maybe softer, but we don't pick the schedule. And then on top of it, you have the number one offense. You had the defense that was peaking. I'm going to reserve my true thoughts on the on the defense as we wrap up the second half. But I don't know when we're going to win another Super Bowl. This seemed like a legit shot. Uh, I'm devastated that it didn't happen. But I do believe that this team is in good hands regardless of all this clickbait stuff that's going on. Right. You know, when I look at this question, first of all, I, I read it wrong. I just, I didn't get the win part. So it's like, do you honestly think Green Bay will make it back to another Super Bowl? And so I took that when I was looking at this, does that mean with Rodgers? And so I'll answer it kind of that way first. And I think that Rodgers... Let me down. Let me down gently, right. Ken. I will. Let me I'll, down I'll, go, I'll go slow. I feel like you're cracking your like neck while you say this. Like, just... Oof. Okay. I think <laughs> that Rodgers thinks that this 2020 season was his last best shot at winning one in Green Bay, which is why he was so upset in that press conference. He knew that this okay. team was special. He knew that this team was fun. It had his energy this um this uh camaraderie the gold zone right all their inside jokes you know doing their best to stay together you know through covid and through all the challenges of the season and he he i think he thinks that this this was it and that next year is definitely going to have some challenges and he really doesn't know what he has in store for himself professionally and probably more importantly, what the Packers have in store for him professionally. So that's, I guess, how I'll answer the way I accidentally misread the question. But when will they get back? You never know. Like this, I don't think 
I don't think at the beginning of the season we would have predicted, you know, this team was going to be as good as they were. And you really never know until you see what you have on the field. And next year's going to be a crazy different team for lots of reasons. Salary cap constraints, a big part of that. But, you know, you had mentioned this. I think they have the right people at the helm in the floor and Gutekunst to, and Russ Ball to drive this team and take care of this team and make sure that they're putting themselves in position to compete each and every year. And, you know, hopefully this time next year, we're singing a different tune and we're celebrating another trip to the Super Bowl. I don't know how likely that is, but I'm, I'm definitely going to root for it. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Great answers. I, I mean, great answers on a very real question and we're going to we're going to pivot uh, a little bit and talk about Aaron Rodgers and we've got uh, two more fan questions specifically uh, focused on Aaron Rodgers and at golfer underscore Pete said was it selfish for the media members to ask Aaron about his future with the team that that quickly after a loss not giving him time to process his thoughts and emotions and can you actually responded to him but I just I wanted to highlight it on this episode because everyone is um, in hysteria right now about Aaron Rodgers' future articles the minute after they lose articles about uh, his uncertainty moving forward. So I'm I'm curious, what's your point of view, Ken? And Neeples, of course, but... Right. And, well, first of all, no one asked him about his future directly, right? right? <laughs> Thank no you. one said, hey, Rodgers, are you going to be here next year? What do you think? Or is Jordan Love going to be the guy next year? That sucks, right? That's not how it went. Rogers brought it up himself. He was in the middle of a long, thoughtful conversation about what he loves about this team and how special it was and talking about the relationships that he formed with some of these guys. And he made a very real and accurate comment that a lot of guys' futures are uncertain, myself included. And he kind of said that with a chuckle. And he hasn't, you know, that, that's not really new information He's been saying this same thing all year. Now he hasn't been saying necessarily that on his, you know, post game media availability through the Green Bay Packers, but you know, you go to the Pat McAfee show that he appears on each and every week. The guy has been very candid or in other interviews this offseason. He's been like, Yeah, Green Bay chose their my replacement and I'm my future here isn't up to me. Like he's been saying that for months, right? Nothing's changed since the draft when the when the Packers organization made the decision to trade up in the first round to draft a quarterback, right? That's a pretty bold statement and Rodgers knows what that means. And so I, his comment that he made, again, it wasn't coerced out of him. It's just him just acknowledging it, right? A lot of a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of players on other teams and on this team, but like quarterbacks across the league, a lot of them are in really uncertain positions. You're probably not going to hear anyone say it like Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is someone who's just very open and honest about his feelings and his how he's going to approach the the back half of his career, the back fourth, or the you know wherever he is in his career. You know, he's just very open and honest about it. My my thoughts on the whole thing, and you, you put that very well, is I, I kind of like what Corey Lindsley had to say about it. And he just said, I'm not going to speculate on what he said. He said what he said. I don't know what he meant by it. So it is what it is. 
So I, I'm kind of of the mind that that's that's how it should be for everybody. Just don't kill yourself to try to interpret it. You know what he's saying and what he's going to do. Just you know, obviously he's the only one right now that knows what he's mean, what knows what he means, and you right. know could have been an emotional response. He is like everybody says. He's very calculated and meaningful in what he says, but I just think people just need to back off and, you know, whatever happens is going to happen and us worrying about it and and trying to interpret everything he says is going to do nobody any good because uh, I said until he comes out and is very straightforward and, and wants to let us know, we're never really going to know about it. Right. For me, too, like, I didn't get a chance to listen to that um, post-game conference live. Um, I had some stuff I had to do around the house because I had just pulled in the driveway a few minutes before, before kickoff. And I had some things I had to do around the house. So I watched it later, but by the time I got to listen to it, Twitter made it seem out, you know, seem like it was a 20 minute, you know, sob session about like, I'm done as a Packer and I hate this, you know, I hate the flu we don't get along. You guys were right the whole time I was faking, (laughs) you know, like it just seemed like that is how it went. So I was like, what, you know, how I got to check out this crazy uh, post game interview and it was like literally a 10 second clip that got just insane clickbait articles and top five places Aaron Rodgers could play next year that's not Green Bay it's like guys come on that's not what he said or it's just we need to take a breath and settle down and just relax it was a tough loss and he's processing it and like you mentioned Ken about things that Rogers has been saying all season long he's been talking about the clickbait articles you know confirmation bias and for certain individuals yes Rogers did unprompted talk about you know his feel his future being uncertain but it was also this whole narrative uh, and rhetoric of an indictment on Brian Gutekunst on the the trading up and drafting of Jordan Love, the thing that bothers me the most is that's what we fixate on. Not not a, a, a wonderful season that we go back to the NFC Championship game. We now, like, minutes after the Packers lose, we're talking about Rodgers and his future and all this stuff when, like you said, Ken, when you look at or listen to the press conference, it was a sliver of the entire mm-hmm. press conference. And I'm tired of that fucking shit. I'm just tired of it. And that's the thing that I think I've been dealing with like last night and this morning is just how toxic our fan base can be how journalism now granted it can be clickbait and i i just for me i would have loved to be a little bit more reflective on what this season was at one point i didn't even know if there was going to be a season i had resigned mm-hmm. to the fact that covid and the pandemic was going to completely cancel all of sports so for the Packers to be here, I think it's it's a miracle. And for what the NFL has done. Um, so when we gravitate towards that, that's what we fixate on now. It's just about generating as many likes and retweets and as much controversy as possible. I just, I don't know. I'm tired of it. But I wanted to mention that question because Rodgers, like Ken said, was unprompted. But speaking of Aaron Rodgers so we can get off this topic and we can wrap up this episode. What are the cap implications for, just so the fan base can relax a little bit, Ken, what are the cap implications for trading and releasing Rodgers this offseason, next offseason? This offseason? Okay. So, again, I I mentioned it earlier. I don't think a a single thing has changed 
since they drafted Jordan Love. I don't think I put stuff out on draft day, right? I'm like, I don't think they're moving on from him in 2020. I don't think they're going to move on from him in 2021. They could. I don't see it in 21. 2022 would be the first year financially where that would make business sense to do it. And so that's always kind of been in my mind. Again, his comments last night don't change that whatsoever. I don't think there's any hidden motive or what have you about it. But from a numbers and sense thing, if if they were trying, if they were to try and cut him or trade him, um, it would have to be done within like the next or the first three days of the 2021 season, which I believe starts on March 7th. So they have until the 10th to cut or trade him or they could cut him before. And there'd be 31.6 million of dead cap, meaning he would still count on their salary cap for $31.6 million and he wouldn't even be there, which is a bad business decision, which is why not going to happen. I don't see it happening. But it could happen because they would technically save $5.6 million in net. Like his his contract is $37 million. And so, the, you know, 31.6 is less. So they would save, you know, 5.6. Again, it's unlikely that that happens. They could wait until after June to trade him this year. They would have $21 million of dead cap if they do that, just because there's different rules after June 1st. So not as bad as the 31.6, but then they would also have 17.2 next year, and they would save $16 million. But I don't see that happening either because he's due a roster bonus on the third day of the year of 6.8. So they're not going to pay him the 6.8 and then trade him or cut him after that. I It, it just seems very, very unlikely that that would happen. So I I just don't see, just like Carson Wentz is not going to go right. anywhere in Philly, and I don't see a way Des- Deshaun Watson is traded because he just signed a six-year deal, and those are valuable assets to the organization. They're not going to willingly want to trade that unless it's oh you know made impossible to coexist uh, within the organization. I don't see Green Bay moving on in twenty twenty one. Now, 2022, quickly, (laughs) it's a 17.2 dead cap and a 22.6 million savings. So it swings, right? It's You save more than what you would kind of still have to pay on your cap to to move them along. And that's, again, why that's that always I've always said that that's the first year where it would make sense. All right. Well, that that does it with the the fan questions. I wanted to talk a little bit about Rogers because that's what everyone's uh, right it, it's on national right media now. right now right and so who would have might as well take three minutes out of our show just to like kind of put that to bed i don't think it's happening if it does great we'll have a lot to talk about this off season <laughs> but it would be pretty wild that's for sure but likelihood i just i wouldn't bet on it you know what's pretty wild fill in the blank Ooh. we always have fun we always have fun with fill in the blank and you know, I had one fill in the blank, and I I, I don't want to be, I don't want to think bad thoughts anymore. I don't want to feel feelings anymore. I so I want to talk a little bit about a positive aspect. As painful as this loss was, this thirty-one twenty-six loss to the Buccaneers. What was one positive from this game? I know it's not a fill in the blank. It's my own 
fan question, if you will. <laughs> so my own little alteration of the fill in the blank. You're asking fill in the blank questions like I asked fill in the blank questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, halfway through, I was like, wait a minute, this is just a, this is a fancy fan question. But what's one positive from this game? Uh, for me, I think it was uh, our wide receiver core, not named Devontae Adams. Yeah, I think MVS stepped up this year and proved that he was more than just a warm weather weather receiver. Right. Obviously, he had his oopsies, right. but he balled out. And then Alan Lazard, he stepped up as well. So I, I think with those two coming back next year, I mean, Lazard is uh, he's a, a free agent, but he's like restricted Exclusive or something, right, Ken? Free agent. So I, I'm pretty excited about this uh, receiving core going forward. I mean, that that was my big positive from the game is we don't have to absolutely rely on Devontae Adams to, to play well on the offensive side of the ball. MVS will be interesting what we do. We'll, we'll celebrate the positive, but he's an intriguing person in the offseason to talk about. Right. I, mean, I think he's I think he's going to continue to grow, too. I mean, like I said, you know firsthand that you weren't huge on, on Adams his first couple of years, so sometimes it just takes that little bit of extra time, that little bit of extra maturity, and I think I think he's going to be good. Right. Especially that's I'm, one thing that caught my ear listening to Rodgers is his specific praise for MVS and his uh, personal growth that he, he was talking about. And, you know, you can kind of see that on the field, right? So Rodgers calls out that, you know, he really was proud of what he was able to do off the field. And you can see the results show up. And again, averaging 28.8 yards a catch. It was just insanity. Again, like he just has that long ball. But what we're seeing the last couple of weeks is sprinkling in those, um, those short intermediate routes, which really weren't part of his game the first half of the season. And so that's exciting to see that the expanded repertoire for me, it, it excited. It was really great to see Jair come down with some picks and just his play like across the board, this entire postseason. you know, these two games of the postseason, just literally signing up for Jair Island. Like that's a real thing now, yeah. you know, people were talking about it kind of, you know, Oh yeah, he'll, he'll probably be pretty good, but, like he is a lockdown corner at this point, and you know you, you have to be excited about what he can continue to be for this team. And you know, in that same vein, nice to kind of see Kenny Clark impact the game again and, and, and be able to provide you know pressure and step up and those type of things. I know he kind of had a slower start to the season, but down the stretch here was just playing uh, on another level. Yeah, I feel like you. Uh... We were sharing notes uh, pre-game or uh, pre-recording. Uh, I'm I'm with you, Jair Alexander, getting not one but two interceptions. I thought in the beginning of the game he sort of looked over at Brady. Brady made a, a couple throws and Jair played him perfectly. Of course, they weren't receptions, and Jair sort of looked over at Brady's way, like, "Hey, I'm here. You can keep on throwing, but I'm going to make you pay." And sure enough, that's like last year you started to see little moments, and then this year you started to see him take it to the next level. But what he did in that NFC Championship game is he's a he's an executioner. Like, he's a finisher. And that's something that we haven't seen yet from Jair Alexander. So he is definitely the one positive for me. There's A.J. Dillon's that, that six-yard run where he was stopped at the line of scrimmage. I – I, I felt feelings that I haven't felt in a really, really long time. I don't know what it was, but that was so impressive. And Kenny Clark a- as well, uh, to see him get that huge contract, which he deserves. But he was a disruptor. He let his presence be known. 
So I do think that the future is bright. We'll see what the future holds, but it doesn't take away the fact that we've got some elite playmakers. Mm -hmm. This was a really, really special season. It's just, uh, it's terrible that we're not continuing on to talk about Super Bowl episodes or what have you. But that that feeling that that you felt, Bryce, for A.J. Dillon, that's called love, man. That's called love. (laughs) (laughs) I was really terrible. Was that your fill in the blank? You know what that's called? I'm just going to answer this for you. But I I didn't know what that response was, but I like it. I want to feel more love. That's impressive. So (laughs) I'd love it. So I do have one fill in the blank. Actually, I had two here, and it's a proper fill in the blank, unlike you rascals. I, had well, I got two. one too. Don't I, worry, unless I, you steal it from me. All right, I had two, but you know, one of them was pretty close to what Bryce had, so I'm gonna go with this one. You know, we're talking. You know, this whole episode's kind of been like a therapy session of kind of getting over this and kind of venting about this loss and the unfortunate end to the season. But here's my actual kind of question or statement, if you will, for fill in the blank. It's I will eventually get over this Packers loss by blank. I mean, we got the Yuppies coming up, so we're going to have fun with the Yuppies. Those are our, our annual end of the season awards, and we've got we've got a great off season. got the combine, got the NFL draft. I'll, I'll be okay, but this Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, was brutal. It was definitely crazy to think. Like I didn't think I could feel as much pain as I felt in that NFC Championship collapse in 2014. I was I was on par. Like I I took a very fast paced walk, and there were definitely moments of where I didn't want anyone to see me. I mean, I got I got emotional. Um, it's just you taught you cover this team week in week out. All these episodes, uh, year after year. You get really attached to this team, and to feel how close or how great this team was, how special it was, how close we were, uh, that the loss isn't going to take that away from me. So I, I overall, uh, it sucks, but this episode was definitely what the doctor ordered. I'm looking forward to a, a really fun off season uh, with you all, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, we've got a breadth of topics that I'm eager to discuss. It's good. Future's bright. Nice. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to sound like a heartless bastard, but <laughs> I, I kind of like thought, I, I, I w- my head was, it was, the game was pretty much over, you know, at, at a certain point last night. So I was emotionally preparing myself and, you know, I was definitely ticked off after the game. I woke up, I was still ticked off, but it's like, you know, I've been, I've been talking to folks all day, talking to you guys and, I don't want to say I'm over it because I'm not, but I I feel a lot better about it now than I did this time yesterday. And continuing to talk about you know in future episodes, you know the the, the goods of the season, mm-hmm. potential for next season, you know that that'll help. But I I'm not gonna let it get to me. I'm not gonna 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 dwell on it any, on it any longer than I have to. I mean I'm feeling I'm feeling okay at this point. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm there with you, Neville. I'm not going to let it get to me too much. If this was Ken of uh, yesteryear, you know, I would have been I've been in a rough spot. I'm pretty sure after the fail Mary game, I didn't go to work the next day, called in sick <laughs> because I just I could not deal with it because I was up all night, just like it just pissed off. And I just like I, I can't work. I can't even think about it. It's all I can think about how terrible that was. Right. I'm in a better place now, and um, you know, there's no rest. You know, this off season moves quickly, 
um, and you know, me trying to stay on top of it. Hell, the Packers signed ten guys uh, Monday yeah, Monday was- afternoon, getting things rolling already for a uh, 2021 season. So. Uh, that'll, that'll help keep my mind occupied as well. Well, I got one for you. I know we're running <clears throat> running short on time here, but I got I got a proper one for you this time. All right. All right. And again, this, this is another one I've been kind of thinking about today and may not be as obvious as one would think, but next year, Mike Pettin will be blank. Dan and Nebels, I had this as a <laughs> fill in the blank and I like held this back on purpose. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll answer it. Well, I was hoping that we were going to end on a positive note, but uh, I, I do believe that Mike Penton will be gone. I don't think he would, comes back as defensive coordinator. Um, I think he would have had to have gone on in the Packers to win the Super Bowl in order for him to retain his job. And to be honest, do you that you need to win the Super Bowl in order to retain your job? But there were just things that Lafleur and Penton were disconnected on. I think Lafleur's comments about the end of the first half and the coverage call by Pettin, saying it was a bad call, saying it probably wasn't the right call as an indictment on Pettin. I don't think you say those kind of comments if you don't think like you're moving forward uh, in a different direction. I vividly remember Lafleur screaming on the sidelines when uh, the Packers' defense was out there getting just trampled over on third downs. And Lafleur saying it's a bad call, it's a bad call. Was he talking to the refs? Was he talking to Pettin? I just I think that the Packers need to they need a, a new voice. When you have your stars go up to Pettin midseason and say, "Hey, this is what we should be doing defensive wise," I don't think that's a good look. And I just right. wanted to give the Pettin the benefit of the doubt. They were peaking in the right direction. They were doing just enough. But I think a, a new voice, a, a Lafleur guy, is definitely what I think the Packers will do in in 2021 is with their defensive coordinator position. Okay. Yeah. If, if I'm looking to answer this, I'm probably in the same vein as you, Bryce. He probably would have needed to to come down with a Super Bowl victory or at least an appearance to have a good shot. But it just seems like there's been a lot of questions that have been brought up to Lafleur in press availability about the defense. And Lafleur is like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know why we were doing mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and you know, that's not a good look. It's it kind of seems like maybe there's a little bit of they're not on the same page, or maybe he, you know, Floor has a different philosophy, maybe of you know what should be prioritized on that side of the field. And but again, Penton's there to kind of run his his thing, and that's kind of how they do it now. You know, I could see Lafleur wanting his guy, right? He came yeah. in, and you know, Packers. Heavily suggested that maybe you, you keep petting around because the guys liked him and he didn't really have that opportunity, I guess, or the the, the 100% autonomy to kind of hire his own guy. And there's that mild, yep. su- you know, heavily suggested keep this guy around. So, and who, like, is this his third year total? Was he only around one year with McCarthy or is he there two years? I, I think, think he'll be going third. on his fourth. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, he just, so that he just would be wrapped his, up his, yeah, his contract might even be up anyway. So who even That's knows? That's what I thought. I always thought he had a three year deal and I can never, I can't find any proof to back that up, but I thought he was on a three year deal for some reason, this being the right. last. And, and, and if that's the case, I think it just gets that much easier in terms of, you know, the conversation and the decision to move forward. And yeah, unfortunately, it just, it seems like there's just a little bit of uh, the disconnect between, between the head coach and the kind of entire defensive operation. 
So Yeah, I agree with you. I think TJ Lang tweeted it out best last night when he said, it looks like LaFleur is about to strangle Petten. So yeah. um, I thought that was pretty telling. Like you guys said, it seems like he's always defending him too much in press conferences, always having to answer for him too much. And yeah, I think he's definitely, especially like you said, if his contract is up, he'll be gone next year. But at the same time, I don't know, something's gnawing at me back there that it wouldn't absolutely floor me if for whatever reason he was brought back again for one more one more year. Do I think that's likely? No. Would it absolutely shock me? For some reason, it wouldn't. But uh, all in all, I'm going to lean more towards he is gone than he is, you know, versus him coming back. And it's not like I... I it's not like the fire pet and bus, like the capers right, right. situation. It's not like we're calling for his head. I just, for me, I, I, I think that they could, it could bode well for Lafleur to get his guy. Um, they just seem at odds. Um, it just seems, yeah. I, I'm, I'll, I'll reserve our, our, our more comments when we go into the off season a little bit more. But I'm really looking forward to talking about uh, the 2021-2022 Green Bay Packers. We'll wrap up with the UPs and some end of the season awards. Again, here shortly, but uh, any last comments before we bid adieu? Uh, I don't really have any last comments, but uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, to Zach and Maine for listening to our show here. And I want to apologize for Bryce's potty mouth a little bit earlier today. I'm not going to be editing it out because I'm keeping this episode raw. But hey, Zach, thanks for listening. I don't apologize. I I, I said what I, I said, and I and I meant it. And uh, yeah. No, no regrets. Now, I'll just uh, add in real quick. It's been a blast doing this with you guys. Um, never thought that I'd be on here, uh, part of the team, talking the Packers week in, week out, doing the thing that I love. So it's been a blast. And, you know, the season's been great. And look forward to this off season and doing it all again next year. Oh, yeah. Well, we still need to talk about your contract, but uh, <laughs> you being the salary oh, cap guy, we'll, oh, we'll, get it, we'll, get, we'll get it figured up, the dead cap, but you got some nice, really, uh, some some escalators in there. Okay. That, uh, I need some more vacation really time, nice. guys. Okay, mm-hmm. that might be. We'll, sick we'll, days. We'll see, but uh, no, feeling is mutual. This actually was uh, uh, exactly what I needed. I hope everyone that tuned in enjoyed this whole year uh, of covering the Green Bay Packers and uh, looking forward to our fourth year of the Unknown Packers podcast. Like always, we're just getting started, so brace yourselves. Can't wait for another episode, but I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. I'm Nebels. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. Follow the unknown. Let me go. I got to go yell at my kids really quick. Hang on a second. (laughs) Bryce is going to fire me.